Hello, hello, and welcome to another studious edition of Podcast Dark Elevation, the only podcast that talks about the wrestling that matters, Dark and Elevation. I, as always, am your host, Dirk Elevation, the so nicely named after everybody's favorite show. Anyway, we've got some fun stuff to get into today. I am I am excited to go over this because uh, I'm I missed a I missed a few weeks there. I missed last week, um, and I'm I'm over, coming back from some sickness maybe you can still hear that in my voice uh so stay safe out there take your vitamin c wash your hands wear a mask if you can uh you know as long as you don't do it around uh roosh and preston vance because those guys oh boy do they not like masks they tear them off everybody but but i don't think that that's a a statement about public health that they're making. I think it's more of a of a gimmick related to lucha. But the point is, do what you can to stay safe and and healthy there during this cold, flu, and COVID season. And uh, in about a month, it'll start to get warmer again. We got we got a month until the clocks change, and I, I, I'm just trying to be positive here, as positive as we can be before we go into the dark elevation 101 filmed in Dayton, Ohio, home of uh, the Wright brothers. So all I know that's don't ask me for any follow-ups. I know that Dayton is where the white Wright brothers are from, uh, in the Nutter center. Don't ask me what that means. Cause I've, I've certainly got some ideas as to where a, a, a establishment could get a name such as the Nutter Center, and none of them are particularly good. We had Paul White and Matt Menard on commentary, except for in this opening bout between 2.0 and the boys, Brandon and Brent, in which case Matt Menard had to wrestle, so he was not on commentary. So we had Paul White doing his best uh, uh, Vin Scully impersonation. I'm sure that there's a wrestling equivalent of a, a wrestling announcer from back in the day who who was the solo announcer, one guy on the mic. Uh, but I don't know that reference because I'm not a nerd. I know the slightly less nerdy reference to baseball. And uh, Mr. Vin Scully, who famously did that for a long time, long after it had gone out of fashion... Uh, and it got went out of fashion because it is a hard thing to do, uh, which Paul White, you know, he he wanted to go on his regular tangents and then had trouble with that because he had to talk about the match. But luckily, it was only two minutes and 21 seconds long. The boys just don't, don't have this, the juice without Dalton Castle by their side. And uh, 2.0 took quick care of them. And I think I think it's fun to get to see the boys wrestle. Uh, you know, I'm I'm more than happy to see that more often. It's fun to get to see 2.0 wrestle. We weirdly don't see that as much as you'd think that we would. And of course, they're both going to be in the Guevara Garcia Gauntlet this upcoming week. 
And uh, hey, a little, little bit of fun early on, little little bit to get get you excited to see the boys. They get to do that that uh, Dalton Castle entrance music, which is fun. Then we have Juice Robinson defeating Jake Crist in two minutes and 21 seconds again. What are the odds? Two matches that take the exact same amount of time. Juice Rob, talking about people who have the juice. Uh, Juice Robinson certainly does. Uh, they kept saying the juice is loose. He should put that on a t-shirt. That is uh, a, a phrase most commonly associated with one O.J. Simpson, uh, famous uh, NFL running back, and other uh, extracurriculars that he's known for. Uh, so the, ju- the juice is loose. I don't know if he's going to get that as a T-shirt, but it's possible. Jake Crist, uh, it kind of sounds like what somebody might want to say if they didn't want to say Jesus Christ. If... If, uh, if you, it's like a, you know, a you know, a, a, a Jeepers Creepers or any of those types of, ah, oh, you, you stub your toe and you're like, ah, Jake Christ, just yelling out the name of your favorite, uh, uh, AEW dark elevation enhancement talent. Uh, Jake Christ had a flux capacitor, I believe on his back interesting choice i don't know if that plays into his gimmick at all i don't i'm sure that if that was a power he'd have he'd probably go back in time and redo this match so that he went or maybe he's done that so many times and it's just sort of like a like on groundhog in groundhog day when when uh, bill murray tries to save the the vagrant man who dies it's just impossible just He's tried to beat Juice Robinson years worth of times, and it's just impossible. I don't know, but he did not did not was not successful here. Seemed like he was fine. Uh, made Juice Robinson look large. So if that's the type of thing you want out of somebody, Jake Crist is somebody who you might see again. Juice Robinson. I'm still not seeing how he fits into. The larger sort of cinematic universe of AEW, uh, I, I think that he's somebody who you expect to have like a, a, I guess a TNT title. I think he held like a U.S. title or something like that in in uh, New Japan. Uh, so that that's where I would expect to see him, but there's just. You look right now, Darby just lost the TNT title to Samoa Joe. Wardlow is coming back up on him. You have Powerhouse Hobbs is around there. You have, uh, you know, Takeshita, I'm sure, will want to get his hands on something like that. You have, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, Scorpio Sky could be coming back from injury anytime soon. Uh, just just a lot, of, a lot of players in that rank. Ricky Starks is probably out of the main title picture for a while. So by the summer, that could be Ricky Starks's game. Uh, just any number of people who are going to be in that TNT title range. And it's unclear if juice Robinson is going to be 
like where does he stand among those guys? I don't know if there are any of those guys that I would want Juice Robinson to uh, jump ahead of. Uh, so it, it's hard to say, but it, he seems fine for right now for him to be beating Jake Crist, but I don't know what the long-term strategy is. All right, next up, we have the Dark Order defeating Crash Jackson, Matt Brannigan, and Rennie D in a minute and 54 seconds. Uh, this is the usual. Fans like the Dark Order. They like watching them throw people around. They like what was referred to tonight as the Meat Hammer. I did not know that's what they called that move. Where the, where the two... Uh, Reynolds and Uno hold the guy up and Silver runs through them. That that's that's fun. Afterwards, we saw the Dark Order interrupt Lexi again as she was giving an uh, an interview to the boys in an attempt to recruit the boys into the Dark Order. I have come around on this. I actually now think that this is kind of fun to see the Dark Order every week trying to recruit new members. It gives non-wrestling screen time to a lot of people who don't otherwise get it. Uh, you know, they did it with Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson gets it a little bit more. But somebody like Prince Nana, who doesn't really get it a lot. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki was last week. Uh, this week we get the boys. Uh, John Silver doing like a little dance to, to, to get their them interested in it. And then they start dancing, and then Lexi starts dancing, and then he yells at Lexi. It's not uh, so. I, I think that this is now, and I like I was somebody who very much supported the uh, Britt Baker uh, dentist office uh, segments on Dark because I thought it was just something that was silly in a way that allowed people to show a little bit more character uh, in canonical AEW programming. While not hogging, like if like if the Dark Order recruitment things or if the dentist thing had been a regular segment on television, and it started to become like Ms. TV or something like that, then you're just wasting quality time. But to have these as something you go to in the in the YouTube shows as just sort of a way. To highlight, it's not exactly AEW, but it but it is sort of like a similar thing in terms of just here's a little bitty thing that's gonna tell you a little bit more about these characters who you don't see a lot of. I like I I don't just know if I knew very much about uh Brent uh, uh Brent and Brent and Brandon uh Brandon and Brent yes that's I always want to say Brett and Brian which as we know are the are the hosts of uh, the f the former Street Fight Radio, uh, who are not brothers uh, and are not boys, they're they're men, I would say. But the boys, Brent and Brandon, like just seeing them, uh, you know, enthused by Silver's dancing was just fun. It was it was a funny thing to to uh, to witness. So I I hope we see. I I'm I'm okay with seeing more of that type of. That, that type of uh, content. Uh, Yuka Sakazaki defeats Billy Starks in 5 minutes and 39 seconds. So they're certainly giving Billy Starks 
a run of high quality opponents that she is losing to, which is a good sign for what they think of her. What what they think in terms of even if they don't have interest in her long term, it's creating quality dark and elevation matches. You know, for you could have had Yuka Sakazaki against somebody who people are going to care less about, but instead you give her Billy Starks, you give them five minutes and 39 seconds. I, I will, I, that's how long they went. I don't, I can't assume that they were in the back. Like you have five minutes and 39 seconds. If you go under or over, you're fired. I, I don't, I don't think that that's the case, but the, the, the point being they, they gave something good here. I liked it. I like what they think of Billy Starks. They keep talking about how young she is. Again, that's that can't be a character. She can't just be, you know, the the Wonderkind, unless she's winning a lot. In which case, then being a Wonderkind sort of can be a character. Uh, but they also did not advance the Yuka Sakazaki and Athena storyline, which I feel like is a mistake. I don't know why we still haven't seen that feud on TV. I think it is deserving. I don't know if we've already got a announced Rampage match for this week, but that should be it. I don't see good reason why it shouldn't. That's 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 the thing. Um, six man, we got the best friends, Chuck and Trent. And Orange Cassidy with Danhausen, they defeat the Spanish announced projects Luther and Serpentico, and Zach Clayton with Angelico in six minutes and thirty seconds. Uh, this is this seems really like just a way to get Orange Cassidy in front of these crowd, uh, which is good because he always shows up. I mean, even when he does his his slothiest of stuff, he still gives them something. It gives the crowd something to cheer about and be happy with. Uh, what else? Zach Clayton, I have to say, is on my shit list. I don't need to see him anymore. I, I, you can get off the shit list. It's not a, a forever thing. But right now, it's not doing it for me. The, the improvements that I've seen have not been enough to make him a particularly compelling wrestler at this point. Maybe he needs more time on the indies. Maybe I don't I don't know exactly what he needs, but it's not doing it for me at this point. So I'm not going to be happy for the time being seeing him on the the shit list is new. I'm bringing this out the first wrestler to go on my shit list. But I, I didn't like his match last week. I didn't think he added very much to this one. They did have him take the pin, which maybe that means he's on more shit lists than initially assumed. But I, I'm i not into it right now. Powerhouse Hobbs defeats Corey Calhoun in a minute and 47 seconds. Corey Calhoun... Obviously, the great-grandson of one John C. Calhoun, U.S. Vice President. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs 
obviously uh, related to Thomas Hobbes, uh, the author of Leviathan. That's all, all I got for this. Man, Powerhouse Hobbes crushed that guy. I like I like Powerhouse Hobbs crushing people. I wish I felt like it was leading to something. But Powerhouse Hobbs crushing people, very cool. There's no universe in which it's not. It just... It, it was fun to see it on TV a few weeks ago. That made it feel actually more, more meaningful than it, crushing people on elevation because ju- just because of the nature of elevation there's a lot of two minute squashes so it doesn't make powerhouse Hobbs stand out the way that a two minute squash on TV does but he's a big man and he's fun to look at his, his str- strange shape and his gigantic shoulder muscles it's it's weird that he doesn't have a spear move, move because he's he has so much shoulder muscle that you would think that that like Ricky Hobbs, uh, Ricky Hobbs, Ricky Starks, his former tag team partner, had the spear, but he had much tinier. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe because because Ricky has like a smaller shoulder, you can really like spear into somebody. Whereas because Hobbs has such gigantic shoulders. Like, if he speared you, it'd just kind of feel like a hug because it's just so, there's just so much cushion there. I I cannot say for certain, but I do, I do. Oh, wow. I feel like Powerhouse Hobbs probably would give really good hugs. If I'm, if I'm, he has all of the perfect hug muscles when I think about it. I, 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 I think, I think that would be, if I, if you could get a hug from one member of the AEW locker room. Like, not just, like, somebody you like or, like, some, something... It, like, a completely platonic hug, just, like, a you're having a bad day and you want to get the most sort of feel-good from the hug. Just the amount of, like, upper body muscle that Powerhouse Hobbs has. If he just gave you, like, the... Even if it was just sort of one of those over-the-shoulder ones, I feel like you'd really get something out of that. So uh, keep beating people up, Powerhouse Hobbs, but maybe give some hugs, uh, particularly some hugs to me. Top Flight uh, defeated The Butcher and The Blade in four minutes and one second. This was fun. I think this was one of the more fun matches of the night. Uh, I liked I liked Top Flight, uh, the, the sort of the storyline that was being told is that every time Top Flight got some some quickness and some flying momentum, Butcher and the Blade were just meaner, and that was the majority of the match. And then they did the drag the lake move on Darius Martin, but he was not the legal competitor, so it ended up it ended up creating a scenario where uh, Dante Martin was able to come back with what I will give an eight out of ten nosedive, if we're continuing this this game where I where I where I give ratings to no, nosedives, it was a pretty good one. Anyway, uh, Butcher cut the hair; he's bald now, just bald guy with a mustache. I like 
I like I like Butcher and the Blade. I thought they did a good job here. And Dante and Darius Martin, obviously they're going to get the win because they've got a trios match this week. So let's uh I can't wait to see what happens with that. I think it's going to be fun. And and this was a good warm up for that. I don't know if Top Flight is necessarily a team that needs to be warmed up, but they they they're heating up NBA Jam style. We had Diamante, Emmy Sakura, Marina Shafir, and Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero defeating Hyena Hera, Madison Rain, Queen Amanada, and Sky Blue in five minutes and three seconds. This was all right. Uh, they all got their stuff in, which was fun. The crowd, I think, enjoyed that part of it. Uh, let's. I don't have much to say about most of the competitors in this match. Uh, Nyla, Nyla Rose getting the pin over Hyena Hera, I think, is right. I think that's probably the most important member of this eight pack uh getting it over the the least important so that that works Madison Rain I would like to see a little bit more coaching from from her I know that that's her real job but I don't think that she has that much of a character and I think that it would certainly help her She's with all of these very uh, these very inexperienced wrestlers on her team, and she just sort of is still giving a like I'm a happy to be here sort of vibe. I I would like to see her like calling stuff out, saying uh, you know do this do that get her in there like like really look intense like look like you give off the the veteran vibe. Um, like act like a coach, wear a windbreaker on the sidelines, chew on uh, some some sunflower seeds, get a headset, uh, or 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 maybe one of those like uh, bullpen phones. Call it up and say, "Yeah, we gotta bring in Sky Blue. Hang it up. Start warming up Sky Blue out there." Uh, you know, what other what other? Have a whistle. Uh, I'm trying to think of other coach coaching related stereotypes that that. Uh, if she was wants to uh, be like an NBA uh, coach, uh, she could wear a suit. Uh, I were, but I I think and uh, you know baseball managers are the ones that are most commonly wearing the same thing as their players, and that's the only sport I know of where player managers were ever a, a particularly uh, important part of the game. So I think that yeah, she should be embracing. That type of that type of uh, behavior to to really to, to really get her character across that she's she's trying to coach up these these young youngins. Uh, that 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 would be my my suggestion as as to yeah get get some more intensity. Look at look at how uh, you know Greg Popovich walks up and down the sideline have a little bit of that scowl i think would would work 
you know. And maybe if you win, uh, they'll they'll give you a Gatorade bath. That would be fun, right? That w- I think that would be fun. Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta defeat Ari Davari and Tony Nice with Mark Sterling. Mark Sterling's uh, law fact this week was that it is illegal to fish for whales on Sundays in Ohio. There are no whales in a landlocked state. I, I can say with some confidence that there are not Lake Erie whales. I'm not a I'm not any sort of oceanographer or whatever the lake equivalent is there a team is there a term for an oceanographer who just deals with lakes like a, like a lake yeah I, I feel like those guys would show up to the oceanography conferences and just be made to sit in like a back room like their their seminar room would just be like the the worst one like where the lights are flickering and they don't have actual access to any any boards to use they they would not be taken seriously by oceanographers i don't think if you if you're the if you're the lake version of that uh Anyway, so not a great law fact from from Mark Sterling on this one. Should have should have saved that one for maybe a, a, a trip to the East Coast or West Coast or any coast really where there are whales. Could have come up with something better here. Ari Davari and Tony Nice continuing to wrestle together despite being parts of different factions. I guess they are part of the former 205 Live faction in AEW. I guess that would be them and uh, Buddy Matthews and uh, uh, Pac and oof, I don't know. Are there the Bollywood Boys have showed up a couple of times. Uh, maybe Blake Christian counts as that. That was certainly past the the prime of 205 Live, but I think that. He was probably part of that. Oh, oof. I'm, I'm. Oh, uh, Mascara Dorada. Uh, I, I, I could sit here and just name guys who were on Two Hundred Five Live. But who would that benefit? Who would, who would get enjoyment out of me doing that? So. But that's probably the thing that they have in common more than any other thing. They're part of two different factions, and they're ignoring their fact. I, I, I think Josh Woods is probably injured, which which stinks. But hopefully he can come back with some sort of a uh, some sort of emphasis behind him. That would be fun. And uh, anyway. Those two held their own all right, and uh, Claudio and Wheeler, they did what needed to be done. The swing into the head kick is a pretty good finisher. The crowd really cheered for Yuta when he was first in there, which was I was happy to see. It definitely feels like Yuta being part of the Blackpool Combat Club is creating something for him that's good. They do the crab walk thing now, which I learned from AEW is related to uh, 
a darts player that they're all very interested in, which is which is funny. It's weird. It's quirky. You could just steal things from darts players. It doesn't matter. Nobody's paying that close. To, don't. I mean, you you can't because they they can easily throw objects at you that will hurt. So I wouldn't recommend stealing a lot from darts players or stealing from them in their general vicinity. But you, you can steal their move, and you know the the guy's probably Belgian. All of the best darts players are from like the lowlands of Europe, uh, and uh, so that's you can steal the crab walk thing, and I think that it's fun. Anyway. That's how we end Dark Elevation 101. Overall, some interesting things, certainly. Getting to see Billy Starks grow. Uh, I liked Top Flight and Butcher and the Blades match. Uh, getting to see the boys as a, a an entity of their own in a backstage segment. Independent from uh, Mr. Dalton Castle. That's fun. And... Yeah, we got, and this had some good stuff in it. That's all I'm going to say as we move on. All right, moving on to AEW Dark number 182 from it, from Orlando, Florida. It's a Universal Studios joint. We start off with Blake Christian defeating Serpentico with his SAP friends nearby. They have new music. Taz and Excalibur clearly did not like it. Uh, I don't. I don't think it. Yeah, I would say I, I don't like it more than Chaos Project's music or Angelico's. Uh, obviously, not as much as Angelico's music, which is you know top tier. That um, Serpentico had new uh, new gear that I liked. Kind of a Spider-Man meets the Green Goblin type of thing, which I guess they've met many times. It's not. A, that's not a very ambitious crossover but aesthetically they don't meet very often so that made it a little bit special blake christian i think is very well positioned for where he is right now he's all heart which is just all heart is kind of like a lovable loser type of gimmick like I like I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm 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 trying my best. Well, you know, Orange Cassidy doesn't try his best, and he has gold. So if you're trying your best, it's kind of uh, it's as the kids would call it, it's kind of cringe to try your best. Uh, so he's uh, he's never going to be a, a top talent, or he's not he's never in this iteration going to be. He could. By sure willpower, just move his way up the card. Be a Daniel Bryan. Be a you know Johnny Gargano type, who is another heart-related gimmick. Uh, which I guess there are a lot of. I mean, especially if you count H A R T uh, gimmicks, then there's certainly a ton of heart gimmicks. Uh, but uh, Blake Christian, I I think it works. That he that he's always gonna be believable enough that he might win, and you're gonna watch in hopes that he will. 
Uh, but most of the time, he's a little, just a little too undersized, a little too, you know, uh, inexperienced, a little too uh, emotional to to pull it off. And I think that that's a really nice position. I think it's a nice place to be. I think it makes him very useful on and off TV. And this is one of the examples of where he can win, where he can improve his his chances. Uh, we, we do have to talk about Luther's hair, which is a very fascinating look that I can't really describe. It was sort of like like back of the head eyebrows. It was sort of like how bald guys will sometimes have hair on the side of their head. But then if you took that side hair and put it on the back, I can't really explain it. Uh, but that's worth talking about. Serpentico did not really do that much worth talking about. I, I, I think he's also a well-positioned wrestler. But Blake Christian in particular, uh, I, I think you can do a lot with him as somebody who is just trying their best. Which, again, it's cringe to try your best. But never. what is it that they say? Like, uh, allow yourself to be cringe, do not give in, or what, or... or I don't know what exactly it is, uh, but I, I, I don't talk like a young kid most of the time. It depends on language is a, is a funny thing. Roosh defeats Aiden Park. He did not have any of his associate. Well, he had Jose the assistant. He did not have uh, Pero uh, Pellegrino. That would just not. That's not what he's called. But Preston Vance, uh, Roosh picks up the win here. He threw this guy around for a while and then beat him pretty easily. He's beat him with some cables that felt a little bit unnecessary. I don't think the rope thing looks good or works the way they want. They would like it to work, unless you're gonna like hog tie people, which I mean, be my guess. But you're already taking masks, so I don't know how you can have two different things that you do. Yeah, it just doesn't look good, and I just find it hard to believe he would need to cheat to beat Aiden Park. Uh, Aiden Park, you know, sounds like a a a, uh, a Gen Z Lincoln Park cover band. Aiden Park. Uh, well, I I was gonna try to say so, like in the end. It didn't matter because Roosh won decidedly. Roosh feels like he should be... Um, um, well, he's going to be trying to take Brian Danielson's arm tonight, which will be fun. Roosh is another one, I think, who should be in that TNT title picture. So I, I'm hopeful for that. Again, more than I would like to see Juice Robinson. You could also put Roosh in the All-Atlantic title picture as well. I also don't know uh, what the plan is with uh, a one Andrade. So, if Andrade is coming back, they could easily be a trios competitor. There's a lot, a lot of things up in the air here. That that a lot of ways you can go with it. Hell, I could see Roosh and and Preston Vance challenging the acclaimed. I don't. There's a lot of ways you can go with them, but. I hope they, they chose a way, and they're not just going to be like the rope guys, the rope and mask guys. Kira Hogan defeats Megan Myers. 
Uh, Kira Hogan getting some wins. I don't know what the plan is with her. I think I still think it's strange how she just got immediately uh, usurped by Red Velvet for basically the same storyline. Kira Hogan got fired. Red Velvet left on her own terms. I guess we're going to see some kind of... Oh, oh, this is where I give away that I missed this week's Rampage. Because there may have been some fallout related to the fact that Kira Hogan interfered and may have cost Red Velvet her chance against Jade. But I I don't know... I don't know what it, whether or not that is a thing, so I cannot speak on it. It should be a thing. We should be gearing up to get some sort of uh, further intrigue in that that those three storyline, and I guess Layla Gray is part of that storyline too. So I guess there there are multiple facets to this storyline, and I'm I'm still uh, waiting to see how it how it plays out, and. One of the ways I can help myself is by watching Rampage. All right. We have Dalton Castle with Brandon and Brett defeats Dante Casanova. Uh, Dalton Castle and Dante Casanova, kind of close names. Doesn't bother me much. But I'm sure that there are some people who wouldn't like to see two guys with names that close facing each other. Dalton Castle is... Is always very funny. He he's complaining about Dante Casanova's cologne that smells very nice, but it should be illegal. He he takes a, a little bit of a break out of the ring. He comes back in. He eventually bangerangs him. Dalton Castle is so good he can work. He kind of worked heel in this match if you think about it, like in terms of his his antics. Uh, and he always it just always works. I I really like Dalton Castle and I really enjoy seeing him. And maybe he'll be somebody who moves up, uh, moves up the card sometime soon. Because he's another one just sort of sitting in the undercard, just waiting for his his moment. And of course, uh, we haven't mentioned in a while, but we don't, we still don't know. Some, uh, oof. I guess we're coming up on over a year now since. Uh, since Ring of Honor was purchased, and we still don't know what the larger plan is for it. So, if there is a plan for Ring of Honor, I assume Dalton Castle is a big part of it, but I don't know. Mascara Dorada defeats Slim J. This is maybe my favorite match of the night. One of the reasons being is that I could really see it going either way. I don't know what their long-term plans are, for either of these guys, I don't know what they want to do with with the trust busters. I don't know what they want to, if Masco Dorado is going to be around a lot. But the two of them put on a heck of an athletic bout, and in the end, Masco Dorado comes out of it looking uh, looking very very strong, very uh, very believable. Someone maybe maybe he does get. I I know that there's like an ongoing thing that uh, Brian Danielson always wanted to face him as the as the former Grand Metalik. So maybe maybe we do see that 
down the road. But for right now, I'm okay with ma- seeing Mascara Dorada uh, have matches here and and just a fun spot for him to be in as just a a, a pretty good guy who gets some wins. I, I, I enjoy him and what he's doing. The Outrunners. Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd defeat Logan Cruz and Tyshawn Price. Uh, good for the Outrunners, I guess. Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd. They got like sort of a... Is an Outrunner a boat-related thing? They're dressed very Miami-like. So I assume that there's some boat-related thing going on here. Turbo sounds like a boat word. Um, they got like an 80s vibe. They got booed. I don't know if they were supposed to get booed or not, but they did. And uh, yeah, it seems like they're going to be moving up into the category of uh, teams that have had a win. So I don't know what they're going to do with the outrunners that they wouldn't just do with, uh, like, I don't know, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. and uh, 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 Brock Anderson or maybe some members of the Factory or the Iron Savages. I don't know what they're going to do, those two. But, hey, good for them getting a win. It put, it, it gives them a little bit of leverage, puts them a little bit a, ahead of, uh, you know, whatever those other... The one with Adrian Alanis and I, I, Liam Gray or something like that. That that team that shows up sometimes that never wins. or uh, There's a few other ones. I'm, I can't think of them right now, but they exist. So they have a leg up over those guys. So, uh, good, good, good for you. And, uh, the, the look is fun. You know, everybody loves a good eighties throwback. We, you know, we're living in the stranger things times. People love a good eighties nostalgia trip. Uh, which something you realistically have to be 40 something to like remember. So I don't know I don't know how nostalgic it really is when you have to be 40 something to remember it and uh, most television and other uh, consumable media products are marketed to a significant I mean there are certainly not a lot of 40 year olds watching stranger things. If somebody is 40 year 40 five years old and they're like, Oh yeah, I love stranger things. Uh, you know, let somebody not, I'm not going to say call the cops, you know, a cab and all of that stuff, defund the police, but call some, but somebody should know that, that an adult, an adult person is obsessed with stranger things. So uh, anyway, I'm saying nostalgia is big right now. The outrunners are going to, are going to ride that wave. Uh, or maybe it's a wake because it's a it's coming from a boat. I think. I'm fairly certain. Balian Aki defeats Rico Gonzalez. Uh, good for Balian Aki getting a win. Saw him in Worcester as best, with the best bros with uh, uh, 
Mesaruga, who is also joining him at ringside for this bout. I like Balianaki, and this is no disrespect to him, but if Balianaki becomes a larger presence in AEW programming than Mesaruga, somebody has effed up. Somebody made a mistake. And it's not out of the question, not just because of the amount of time and effort that is given to women on AEW programming is not proportional to their talent or their draw. That, that's a mistake for, for Baliana Key to become a bigger player than Mesa So hopefully that is something that we can avoid. I don't know why why would you use Mesaruga in this role? Wouldn't you rather find somebody for Mesaruga to fight? Did did you need somebody to fight Rico Gonzalez? I don't know. Good for Baliana King. I mean, he should get a win. I don't think he's won before. So good for him. But what are you doing with him? I mean, maybe we can get some best bros action. It feels like it's been a minute since we've gotten any mixed tag matches. So hopefully we've got some of those around the corner. I feel like it, like Sammy and Ty were having a bunch. Then they lost their belt for what I have to assume was kayfabe reasons. And they haven't done anything since then. At least send the best bros down to AAA. Maybe they could win that belt. I don't know. I don't know. But we do end this with Kanosuke Takeshita defeating EJ Nduka. EJ Nduka, a very big guy, and a former Toronto Argonaut, which I support uh, because the Toronto Argonauts uh, are my favorite uh, uh, CFL team, by which I mean they had Ricky Williams for one year, and he's my all-time favorite NFL player. So... If you played on that same team, I mean, obviously in different amount of years, as my favorite player, you you are starting off at an advantage. He looks good. He is big and strong. You know, he's he seems like he's a little newer on the scene. I'm not gonna look it up right now, but if he start if he put enough time into his life to to play uh, Canadian football. Certainly, he had. He, he, you know, he 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 took some detours before getting to this point, but he looks good. Please bring back EJ Nduka. I would love to see more of him, even if it takes a while for him to get into the rhythm to start winning. Losing to Takeshita, nobody should feel bad about losing to Takeshita. There's people who think that Takeshita is going to beat MJF tonight. I don't think that that's the case. But is is it out of the question? I don't think so. I think that he's going to make it believable. He's going to sell you a ticket at least once. But please give me more AJ and Duka. Always want more Takeshita. And um, yeah, those are both of their episodes. So a lot of setup, a lot of people who don't usually win getting wins in these episodes. And then a few pretty good matches. 
So overall, overall, I like, I like what these are not my favorite episodes of Dark and Elevation, but as we say sometimes, we're we're using these as a, as a sort of a big picture. Uh, you know, a, a way to view the bigger picture of things. And bigger picture of things, it looks like AEW is inching people up the card so that any moment, if they're smart enough to make the jump, to, to make them, to strike while the iron's hot, they're going to have some people who are going to be in position to uh, become new stars. And I think that's great. And I can't wait to see what we have uh, going forward and tonight. So let's uh, follow along on social media. Um, like and subscribe. Do all those things that you do. Eat your vegetables. Say your prayers. And uh, we'll see you next week.